Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Sunday, March 17th, and we are 15 minutes away from Selection Sunday, which we will bring to you shortly in another episode. But today, Tim and I, we are going to focus on the ACC tournament and what a tournament it was. We had the return of Zion. Uh, Florida State made a run, Uh, Virginia Tech with the devastating loss in OT, Virginia goes down, North Carolina in a close one against Duke. There was a lot of storylines, Tim, but first off, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's, uh, you know, it's Sunday, Sunday is winding down, so we're getting ready for the work week mentally, but we can't do that until we get to see some brackets here in a little bit. So the anticipation for high, if the anticipation for the brackets is obviously high. The ACC tournament in hindsight was awesome. Um, not to mention all the other conference tournaments, which the SEC tournament had some pretty awesome games too. Um, so yeah, it's just been a great weekend to watch in college basketball. Yeah, it was, uh, there was just a lot of good games, uh, particularly once we got to the quarterfinals in the ACC tournament. Um, I just felt like every game was kind of a must watch and, uh, the SEC, like you said, they had some really good ones. The uh, SEC championship today was kind of a dud, but um, he's a boat race. You know, the Big Ten championship just wrapped up. That was a uh, that was a close matchup. Michigan State doing Michigan State things this time of year. Of so, you know, it seems like it seems like everything is uh, moving along. But let's just kind of let's just kind of jump right into it. Duke beats Florida State seventy three to sixty three to win the ACC tournament. And uh, I think the big story of this game and really just of the entire tournament was the return of Zion Williamson. And for me, it wasn't just his return like, oh, he's back. It's, oh, he's back and he's dominant and he picked up right where he left off. And going into that Duke-North Carolina game, that first matchup, the one right before his shoe exploded... That mm-hmm. was the Duke that we had grown accustomed to, and they looked prime and ready to kind of take that momentum right on into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they sure did. Um, you really realize how important Zion was when you you know you saw him for so long and saw saw Duke without him for so long and how aimless they looked. And uh, you know he grabbed him by the ear and drug him all the way through the championship game and and hoisted up some hardware there at the end. Got to cut down some nets. Uh, Zion, man, just does everything. That guy is so impressive, not not just physically from a size standpoint, but, um, you know, the offense stalls without him. He is the offense. Um, he's your inside presence. He's your, your defender in the same kind of, in the same kind of way that LeBron is when LeBron's defensive game is really locked in. Uh, super impressive from him. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, the biggest game for them was obviously the game against North Carolina. No disrespect to Florida State. Florida State has seemingly everyone over seven foot tall, and they're all extremely athletic. But we all know what kind of team North Carolina is. And, you know, he just shows up and, and gets a double-double, you know, 30-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, and just looks like a man amongst boys the entire game. But that's what, you know, that's what Zion does, and that's what they were missing in the previous two games against North Carolina. Yeah, you know, it was uh... – Florida State had a, you know, extremely impressive tournament, so not taking anything away from them, but they, uh, it's not that they were totally inefficient in the championship game, it's just like no. they just couldn't get anything going consistently, right. it felt like, and um, I don't know if it was just, you know, three games in three days, it's that time of year, it starts kind of wearing on you, and 
you know, I thought Zion in uh, the game against North Carolina looked a little uh, looked a little fatigued, a little slow, maybe limping a little bit, but he kind of mm-hmm. he kind of got through that. But there was only one guy in Florida State's starting lineup last night who had double figures, and that was uh, Terrence Mann. So, um, not a not the uh, performance that we had kind of expected or had seen from Florida State going into this game. I think right. the the big statistics, they're the big statistic that I heard. I don't know what they finished last night, but against Florida or against uh, Virginia Tech and against Virginia, Florida State was shooting over fifty percent on contested shots. And right. if you were watching the Virginia Tech Florida State game, some of the shots those guys were hitting, like it was unbelievable. I mean, fadeaway threes with guys in their face were going in. Oh, my gosh. I mean, gosh. dancing all over the rim going in. I mean, they just could not miss when they needed a shot the most. And, right. you know, nothing against Virginia Tech. I mean, there's really nothing any team can do when a team like that is just hitting those shots. And, I mean, Florida no. State just had no. that for for the first two games of this tournament for them. They did, and – you know, it's it's hard to say. Uh, they they wrote a lot of luck into that final game. There's nothing wrong with that, especially during tournament time. You can win the entire tournament on luck, um, as we saw with NT, NC State in their uh, national championship game against Houston. And if you look back in the history, that that was a season fraught with luck for NC State. Um, but that's you know, good teams find luck, and uh, Florida State had. But the shots that were going down for them dried up by the time the championship game. You know, I, I don't think I've seen anything quite like what I saw with them against Virginia and Virginia Tech. Uh, Devin Vassell especially was tremendous, um, knocking down shots from three with people in his face, um, and obviously man with the you know falling out of bounds on the baseline floater uh, to rim in against Virginia Tech. You just don't see that very often. Um, and if they were going to beat Duke, they were going to need those shots to keep falling, and uh, they didn't. Uh, Duke was able to capitalize, obviously. But, man, you can't really say enough about Leonard Hamilton. This guy is probably the oldest coach in the ACC, I would imagine, Uh, and he just continues to do this and continues to keep Florida State playing playing at a high level after, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Florida State was just in the dumps when it came to basketball, and he's got them consistently playing well, you know, he's got ACC championships under his belt. And it's just crazy to me that he's able to do that at a place like Florida State where football really rules the roost. Um, so really, props to Leonard Hamilton. Uh, props to the guy for looking like he's 50 years old when he's really probably 71, 72. Um, but yeah, all the way around, I thought it was a great play or a great game, great tournament from Florida State. But, uh, you know, Duke was locked in and, and Duke took down the, uh, the nets. And on they go to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, Florida State has had quite a run the last few years, and um, I I feel like they're still catching people off guard because they're Florida State and they're not just a traditional basketball school, but that is a team that could easily make a Final Four this year. I mean, they are very good. Uh, Their size, I mean, they're probably the biggest, or if not like a top three biggest uh, team in, in college basketball this year. They've just got a lot of guys with size, uh, very athletic, um, and they can mm-hmm. they can do a lot of things really well. But to me, Tim, the story of this tournament was Zion Williamson. I sure. don't know if you paid attention to kind of his stat line, but I was absolutely blown away. 
against Syracuse on Thursday night, he goes 13 for 13 from the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On Friday night against North Carolina, he goes 13 for 19. Last night against Florida State, he goes 7 for 11. So right. this is a guy who hadn't played a game since February 20th, and really he played 30 seconds in that game. We can say he really hadn't played in almost a month, okay, since February 16th before he got hurt. And he comes in, he gives them 36 minutes Thursday, 35 Friday, 40 on Saturday, 29, 31, and 21 points. That efficient from the floor, I mean, that to me was one of the most unbelievable performances given the circumstance I've ever seen in the ACC tournament. Just with how how much of a, a time off he had, and I'm sure they were being kind of overly sensitive to the injury, making sure that he was back 100%, which was the right thing to do. But just to come in, play that many minutes in back-to-back-to-back games, I mean, kind of like Zion said at the end of the game last night, killers kill, and he killed it in this tournament. And, I mean, just look out. I wouldn't want to be in Duke's region because I I just if Zion's on the floor, Duke, they're beatable, but they have that unbeatable feel. Yeah. Yeah, he, he came off cold, you know, no warm-up pitches and in, in threw, a, a, you know, three back-to-back shutout innings. Um, incredible stuff from him. And when you talk about the greatest basketball players, your Michael Jordans, your Kobe Bryants, your LeBron Jameses, and, and so forth and so on, they all have that clutch gene. And, and that's really what separates them from a lot of other guys that score similar amounts of points and and are seen as their team's best players. I, I think you're starting to see that gene kind of developing in Zion Williamson. Uh, all of the pressure was on him. His team looked lost coming into this tournament, and he just steps up four games in a row, three games in a row, and makes Duke just look absolutely incredible. Um, just You can't say enough about the kid. You can see why he's going to be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Uh, but really exciting to watch. You know, he's 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 one of those guys that kind of can take over any basketball game, um, and and really needs a supporting cast uh, to to kind of buoy him up and to make Duke extremely dominant. I'm not sure they're quite there yet, um, but that's not to say Zion can't pull them kicking and screaming all the way to the national title game and win it himself. So it'll be interesting. We're going to see whether or not now uh, coming off this ACC tournament win. Is he going to get some contributions uh, from his supporting cast to really help pull him through a, maybe a potentially a bad game or two in the tournament? Um, you know, that's not to say he'll have one, but it's going to be interesting to see because that's my one knock on Duke right now. Is it, it's all about Zion Williamson at the moment, and if he shows up cold to one of the games, um, that's going to spell trouble for him. So, really excited to watch the tournament, obviously, and uh, congrats to Duke on the ACC championship win. It's awesome. Yeah, I think, too, uh, just with Duke, and it kind of goes back to it. Again, zero points from their bench last night. Two for 14 from three. Uh, Cam Reddish, two for eight. Played 37 minutes. Mm -hmm. I can't really recall him for more than maybe two or three times throughout that entire game. He's just just one of those games. He just wasn't really around. The guy who did step up last night and had a, a great tournament, really, in, uh, in combo with Zion was Trey, Trey Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel like last night against Florida State, that was probably the best game he's had all year. I mean, he was just – he was uh, 
he really looked like he was kind of coming into his own. He plays an extremely high level of defense, which I think is underappreciated in today's age. I feel like if you're a very good defender and you don't score consistently at a high level, then you're pretty much just forgotten about, right. um, especially in the NBA. But I think that's the uh, – he's kind of the wild card for me going into the tournament because if you know Cam Reddish is doing Cam Reddish things and it's just disappearing – you know, I think R.J. Barrett's going to be there, but I think we've seen that if Zion is out or if, you know, he's having an off game, that R.J. Barrett can't really carry the load on his own. He can score a lot of points, but he's not a Zion. No. And uh, I think, you know, with Trey Jones, the way he played throughout this entire tournament, um, I think uh, I think that's a very good sign for Duke going forward, but... You know, uh, I don't think there's any surprise there. He was an extremely highly rated recruit, um, but had been struggling a little bit, I think, offensively throughout the year. And then he he looks like he came into his own, at least on on Saturday and Sunday this week. But, uh, you know, one of the other storylines, Tim, and, you know, I'm one of these guys, and I'll, I'll admit, I think everybody who knows me knows this, I'm not a Virginia fan, but... It's that time of year no, where you have to ask yourself. Put it <laughs> yeah. It's that time <laughs> of year where you have to ask yourself, is this team built for the tournament? And again, it's another exit in a game that they should have you know, on paper they should have beat Florida State. They've only sure. lost two two times this year and that was to Duke. And you just you get in a tournament play and you have to go every day or every other day and this team seems to struggle year in and year out, it and it it comes back to me with the style of play that they have. They're a defense-first mentality, and their offense seems to go in these tournament style, in this in in tournament style basketball. It seems, and I wasn't shocked that Florida State beat them. Um, I I was obviously hopeful Virginia Tech would beat Florida State, and we'd have that that matchup again just to see kind of. You know, could Virginia Tech finally beat Virginia this year? But I've got a lot of questions with UVA. I like UVA. I think they're one of the best teams in the country. I know they're one of the best teams in the country. But when I have to sit there and put money on them that they're going to go to the Final Four, I just don't feel comfortable with it. We'll see what happens with uh, with the slate that they get. But this is a team to me with the style that Virginia plays. It is not tournament friendly. I don't know where you stand on that. So I'm kind of torn, right? Like, you know, you, you, you play muddy it up basketball um, in a conference that calls your games very kindly. And I, I don't know what it is, and I'm not, you know, hollering at the top of my lung about ACC officials, but they have a tendency to look at tendencies. And for whatever reason, UVA is allowed to get away with more contact than other teams in the NCAA. And I don't know if that's because they have this mantra of being just a fantastic defensive team. So how could they foul? Um, They're really good at staying straight up in the lane, in the paint. But they get away with a lot of contact. And in tournament play, the officiating seems to, to throw them for a loop sometimes. Um, when they get into some officials that aren't ACC officials and they call the game a little differently, they get in a little foul trouble, maybe it gets in their heads, I don't know. That brand of muddy it up basketball doesn't always translate well to the tournament, as we've seen. I like UVA this year 
because they have those shooters and those offensive weapons that you really need to play well in the tournament. A guy like a guy like Kyle Guy, um, who seemingly never has to be set for any three pointer he takes, is just such a dangerous weapon. Um, you know, he, his threes can come out of nowhere, and he gets buckets and bunches, and is just a hard guy to defend. Hunter is fantastic, um, and and you look at that going into the NCAA tournament, and you they just don't look like the same old Virginia to me. And I was really, really disappointed by their game against Florida State. Um, I was really expecting them to go to the ACC championship game and give Duke all they could handle or UNC all they could handle for that matter. I think it's a different Virginia team. And I am going to say, hey, this is going to be the year that they're going to make a deep run into the NCAA tournament. I just, I feel it in my plums. Yeah, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but... There's two things you got to watch for Virginia. If they're cold from three, or if DeAndre Hunter gets into foul trouble, if this team has a as a tough matchup, it, you know, I'm not – Virginia's not going to lose to a 16 seed this year. No way. No. Okay. No way. I'd say if they're not in the Sweet 16, which that's not saying much, they're going to be at one seed, I'd be stunned. If they're not in the Elite Eight, I'd be very surprised. But if DeAndre Hunter gets into foul trouble – or they have one of these 5-for-24 performances like they did against Florida State from three-point, you know, look out. Virginia's very beatable. It's another team that doesn't get a whole lot of production from the bench. So you've got uh, Virginia, you know, three-headed monster. And, uh, you know, if they can get anything from Jack Salt offensively, which he finally scored in this tournament, um, <laughs> you know, I think I think that's helpful. But, yeah. you know, Virginia is a team that I would say uh, tread lightly. Um I think they can go far in this tournament, but if they don't, I wouldn't be be surprised. So, yeah, me either. Uh, the the other game that was uh, down to the wire and easily could have gone North Carolina's way, and to me, North Carolina could easily be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't think they'll pull that because there's I I don't think I've ever seen three one seeds from one tournament. But if there was going to be a year, it'd be this year, in my opinion. Uh, they. They almost beat Duke for a third time, and it was a uh, it was a great game, down to the wire, uh, tied at halftime. Duke beat them by one in the second half, and uh, if it wasn't for a kind of rush shot by Kobe White that almost went in, uh, you know North Carolina could have been on the other side looking in. But you know Kobe White, he uh, he struggled a little bit in this game, only four for fourteen from the floor, zero for six from three, but. Um, He's still one of those guys who I just love watching play basketball. He's a he's a fun guy to watch, and uh, you know, tough break for UNC in this tournament. But I think they're uh, they're they're going to be set up for success there in the uh, in the NCAA's coming up. Yeah, man, they're looking pretty. UNC is a strong, strong, strong team. So um, I expect them to make some noise. And I think you know you got a coach like Roy Williams that's got to make you feel real good heading into tournament play. Uh, the guy's a known quantity. You know what you're going to get out of him and his team. Um, and UNC, as you just mentioned, has some players this year. So I'd be looking forward to it. So the game that had all of us talking on Thursday was Virginia Tech, Florida State. And this was really the first good game of the ACC tournament. And, uh, yeah, this one went down to the wire. Overtime again when these two teams met earlier in the season – uh, it was in an overtime matchup, which, uh, you know, I left this game thinking that 
you know, Virginia Tech outplayed Florida State twice this season and left 0-2 against them. And uh, the big thing for me with the Hokies was the day before Ty Outlaw had such a big game. And yeah. he played 38 minutes against Florida State and only took two shots and had no points. It's hard to and even just, imagine that. I What shocks me the most is I sat there and watched the game and I didn't even know if he was playing, to be honest. And he played 38 minutes. And it was just, he was that absent on the floor. And that can't happen uh, for the Hokies going forward. And, you know, Virginia Tech got some very good news today, which we'll talk about more in depth when uh, when we do our tournament preview with Justin Robinson going to be coming back. But, uh, you know, hey, Another great game by Kerry Blackshear. This guy just continues to lead. Ahmet Hill really stepped up. Nikhil Alexander-Walker played really well in the ACC tournament. Um, I don't think the Hokies have anything to hang their heads about. Uh, it was it was just a tough game. And like we said, uh, you know the Hokies didn't shoot great from three-point range in this one. But the shots that Florida State was hitting, they, they were just undefendable. And Virginia Tech was all over them. It was a really great defensive game. I think that's what's going to carry both of these schools in the NCAA tournament going forward. But, uh, yeah, it was a tough tough pill to swallow for, for Buzz Williams and the Hokies. Yeah, you, just, you hate to see a, such a good game end for either team. And that was one of those games where like you were going to feel bad for whoever lost that. Um, just incredible tournament basketball from Florida State and Virginia Tech. But no reason to hang your head. As you mentioned, uh, Justin Robinson wasn't present. That's a real big hurdle to get over. And playing Florida State as hard as Virginia Tech did, uh, no shame in it. But, man, just some really timely shots from Florida State. And as you mentioned, the, the big thing for me was outlaw. Um, if there's one guy that can knock down some some big shots for Virginia Tech, it's, it's him. Um, the flip side of that is I thought Ahmed Hill played really, really well. Um, and, you know, as a as an upperclassman, a guy that we need to count on and, and hope that we can count on, uh, sometimes this year he's kind of gone missing. But I thought it was really, really good to see him stepping up when his team needed him. So an, the kind of the last game I want to hit on um, was earlier on in the tournament. It was NC State and Clemson. And the reason I want to hit on this, Tim, is I think these two schools are both on the serious bubble uh, when it comes to ACC. Um, I've heard arguments both ways. NC State doesn't belong because they didn't play anybody out of conference. You know, how could Clemson get in? Yada, yada, yada. To me, NC State has 22 wins. They play in the um, ACC. They should be in the tournament. Uh, They beat Clemson twice this year both in very close games. Clemson just could not get over the hurdle this year with, uh, I think they had six or seven losses by three points or less. So tough draw for them, but at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. They only scored 16 points in the second half against NC State. And to me, you know, you're up big, you're up, what, 16 points in the first half, and you come out and only score 16 points in the second half? That dug their grave, in my opinion. And yeah. uh, I just can't imagine a world where Clemson gets into this tournament over some other other schools that are out there on the bubble. Yeah. Um, and I'd also be very surprised if NC State was left out. 
Well, here's, and, and this is my little soapbox for the evening. We don't know what's going on with as far as bracketology goes, NC State, whether they're in or out. Clemson, I don't think, deserves to be in. Um, had they snuck one against NC State, we could talk about it, but they haven't. NC State's non-conference uh, strength of schedule has been the most ridiculous sticking point ever. If you look at their quadrant one and two wins, they're about 500. They got nine wins. Five of their losses are going to come to probable number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Um, what they're really being punished for is how bad the bad teams were on their schedule. So if you look at some of the teams like UNC Asheville, um, St. Peter's, instead of being around 200 to 225, they ended up down near 350. That's what's hurt them. Um, you can't really say the, oh, they didn't play anybody part because they played Wisconsin, almost beat them at Wisconsin. They played Auburn and beat Auburn in the SEC championship. They paid, played Penn State on a neutral court. Uh, they played Vanderbilt, who at uh, the time they played them was ranked. Uh, you know, they were playing large names in, in the preseason, in the regular season, I should say. Uh, to see them punished because the bad teams that they played were super bad as opposed to just regular bad and knowing that they scheduled those games two years ago when teams like UNC Asheville, instead of being in the 300s in rank, were an NCAA tournament team. It, it's hard to predict these kind of things, and it's almost a perfect storm, but it's not a perfect storm of you know something that NC State could have prevented. They went out there and played big-name teams, um, but a team like Vanderbilt completely collapsed after NC State played them. And, and how do you predict something like that? Um, you know, I'm not sure, but I don't think they should be punished. I think if if the NCAA is going to create the net ranking system and have a team with NC State's resume in a 31 to 32 ranked net ranking, then you gotta you gotta let them in as an at large. If you're going to punish NC State because the teams they played were really bad, as opposed to just kind of bad, that's silly. I mean, that's just completely silly. It's not in their control. Um, you know, there are teams sometimes when you get that non-conference strength of schedule and it's just, they literally didn't play anybody. Um, that happens, but this wasn't the case with NC State. NC State got some big wins out of conference, um, neutral against Penn State. They've beaten Clemson twice. They beat Syracuse. They beat Auburn, who, like I said, won the SEC championship. Um, that's a pretty strong resume. And to me, I'm surprised we're, we're talking about them as a first four out or first four in kind of team. Um, honestly, they seem a, a 10 seed to me, but um, you know, what do I know? From from what I'm reading into the tea leaves, I'm I'm not so sure that fans in Wolfpack Country are gonna be happy. Yeah, it's <clears throat> to me like you see a school like VCU and uh, you know, nothing against VCU. I grew up in Richmond. I I like watching VCU basketball. But, you know, they're gonna pull an eight or a nine seed in this upcoming tournament and they're twenty five and seven. Right. They, they don't have the conference schedule that any team in the ACC has. And so if you've got a team in the ACC with 22 wins that has beaten a number of good teams, I just don't see how you can let them out. It's strange. Because it, this happened with Virginia Tech back in the day, in the Greenberg mm-hmm. era, when but he pissed off the committee. Very It's similar, very similar to and that year. We went it's 500 like how, that year, too, I believe. Yeah, well, they finished sixth in the ACC that year. That's ridiculous. There was a year they finished fourth in the ACC and got left out. And it just, you had teams five, six, and seven behind them getting put in, and it's like, what are you doing? Now, if you have teams that are, if you schedule your opponents, and, you know, scheduling is damned if you do, damned if you don't. It is. But 
you have to put teams on your schedule that you think are going to be good. Now, if I go out and schedule a Wisconsin and they suck, well, that's not on me, okay? I went out and I scheduled Wisconsin. Now, if I'm going out and I'm scheduling, like, Mary Hart and Baylor or, you know, Norfolk State, and that's my best out-of-conference opponent, then, yeah, that's on me. I probably deserve some criticism as a school, as an AD, but... You know, at the end of the day, team that goes 22-10, and 10, plays in the ACC, uh, like you said, beat the SEC champion, uh, Auburn, SEC tournament champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, have a, I have a hard time leaving that school out. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm always going to favor these bigger Power 5 conferences, unless it's the Pac-12, uh, and just give them the benefit of the doubt. Um do I think a team like Oregon should be in if uh, if they're not going to win a conference t- tournament over an NC State? No, I don't think so no, because it's not, not. Even a rem- it's not even close to the same playing field right. that they're on. Right. So, but we'll see what happens. Um, a lot going on. We've got Selection Sunday. It's going on right now, actually. So, we are going to bring you that episode on Tuesday. That'll drop, um, and we're going to record it right after this, actually. So we're going to give you kind of an immediate reaction. But, Tim, do you have any uh, any final thoughts on the ACC tournament? No, I thought it was good. It was, it was a really good tournament. I'm glad Zion got back uh, in, in the time that he, he did. I, I didn't want to see Duke have to go through that tournament without Zion. Um, you know, he had been such an influential player all year in the ACC that it would have been shame to see a, a season capped without him. Happy to see that. Um, you know, again, props to Florida State, Leonard Hamilton doing big things. Um, just the one thing that really stuck with me was, man, the ACC is a, just a fantastic basketball conference. Um, and long may it continue. Uh, great basketball, good rivalries. You love to see it. Um, and now we are on to our raw and uncut NCAA tournament bracketology episode. And we can't wait to bring it to you guys. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, so just a little uh, news and note, we are doing a ESPN Tournament Bracket Challenge, whatever they call it, Tournament Bracket Challenge. Uh, Chowder and Grits, look it up. Uh, The link will be on Facebook. It'll be all around Twitter. Uh, You'll probably see a lot of celebrities joining in, so you don't want to be left out. Uh, Maybe there's like a free Chowder and Grits t-shirt for those that... uh, for those that win, uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe you'll be surprised. Hey, man. I like it. But um, but that's all we have for today. We are Chowder and Grits. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. Tim, why don't you tell these fine people what they can do from a ratings perspective? Leave a high one. Or just rate us in general. Um, but if you're going to be rating, why not throw a five-star rating on there? It helps us out, uh, gets people more interested in the show, and it makes us look better when people search us. So we certainly appreciate it. Um, you know, Tell your friends. Let, us, let them know we exist. It's the number one podcast for fast food reviews, ACC basketball, and ACC football. Um, that's it for us now. I'm going to go ahead and close it out and say, hey, great ACC uh, championship weekend. Uh, We love it. That's what we're here for. That's what we like to cover. And we look forward to bringing you all of our thoughts uh, concerning the NCAA tournament. So from here on out, I'm going to close it down with a go ECC, and we'll talk to you guys real soon.